I want to welcome you into the Sunday Preaching Podcast of the Point Church, located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. I want you to grab your Bible for just a minute, if you would, and go with me to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. I felt the Lord leading me to this passage. We, of course, are on the weekend, uh, the day before July 4th, and I want to say how grateful I am that in God's sovereign plan, He allowed me to be born in this nation. I love our country. I was on the phone this week with someone that lives in Brazil, and, and guess what? They love their country just as much as we love ours. I think that's normal. Uh, and I'm thankful today that uh, there are many of you that have been a part of sacrifice and service uh, for us to enjoy the freedom that we have. And I'm, I'm certainly deeply, deeply grateful for that and thankful. At the same time, I am burdened for our families I'm burdened for the church, I'm burdened for our nation, and I believe that today would be most appropriate and uh, very important that we do what we do every month, and that is that we have first priority prayer time, and we're going to do that in just a minute. Uh, but before we do that, I wanted to keep the theme going of forgiveness and uh, speak to you for just a minute out of, out of Psalm 32. I want to mention two things before I uh, move forward. Uh, I had a conversation this week with someone uh, just discussing the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel of Jesus? I mentioned in my sermon last Sunday, I think, about giving the book What is the Gospel uh, to the uh, gentleman who was a Polish immigrant, an uh, Uber driver in Los Angeles, uh, who was asking a lot of questions about uh, you know, the Bible and what do you believe about Jesus and so forth. And so I want to just recommend, if you have somebody that you would like to just say, hey, here, read this book about the cross and about what Jesus did and about the gospel. The book, What is the Gospel? by Greg Gilbert. Greg Gilbert, What is the Gospel? is an outstanding book. A short read, as you can see, uh, to give to someone to just say, hey, here, read this. He does an outstanding job unpacking that. Uh, remember this, we are all called to evangelize, Right? Uh, evangelism is not just something that pastors do or professionals or deacons or whatever. Evangelism is something we all can do. And here's the way I view it. I view in my heart that when we got out of LAX a couple of weeks ago and we handed uh, this brother this book, uh, we were evangelizing, right? So this is a little simple tool that you can use as a part of your evangelism to help someone understand uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's another book, all the students that were at camp, I had a, a, a session with them last week, and I went through uh, this little book entitled Listen Up. Uh, I was reading a book called Peacemakers a few weeks ago, and in that book, a uh, pastor that wrote the book, he's a Presbyterian pastor, he mentioned that when folks come into his church, uh, he gives all of those families a copy of this little book, and so I've ordered some of them, and they should be coming in this week. Uh, but this is a book, that, to me, that's unique uh, in its kind. You know, we have books on how to evangelize or uh, how to pray or 
uh, how to do various things related to the Christian life. Well, this book is Listen Up. It is a practical guide to listening to sermons. And I took this book and I read it and I thought, man, this is really, really good. So I shared that. Young people wave at me, those of you that were at camp. Uh, some of you heard me teach. Okay, there's a few of you uh, that I taught a, a, a session on this. But it's just a really good practical guide how to prepare yourself week by week for the moment of hearing the preaching of God's Word. I told one of our guests this morning that, that we are a Bible church. We really are. We believe that uh, we have a very high view of Scripture. Uh, it is God's authoritative Word. And so week by week when we gather, we open it up. So if you're going to come here on Sunday, you don't have to wonder or you know, uh, have a question mark as to whether or not uh, we're just going to have maybe a drama or just a sing fest or something like that. You know that when we come together, we are going to open up God's Word. And it's important when we do that. You know, you see it even in the Old Testament, in the book of Nehemiah, uh, when uh, they began to read the Bible, it says that everybody stood up. I mean, literally for extended periods of time. And so we're going to start standing up every Sunday during the sermons. And I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. No, you just, see, you just see out of that a very high reverence for the Scripture. And we're not going to stand up, but while you're sitting there right now, there ought to be something in your heart that says, God's about to speak to me. And there is an anticipation of that. I'm going to pray. I'm going to prepare my heart. And so these books will be in this week. They'll be out in the lobby next Sunday if you'd like to get one. Uh, Mom, Dad, this would be a great devotion with your family to go through and just talk about the importance of listening. You can apply the principles in here to a small group or the youth group or Awana or children's, whatever uh, your children are involved in, uh, to go ahead and begin to train them to, to really listen up and uh, to listen when the Word of God is being taught. Just want to mention those two things. Psalm 32, Psalm 32 and I'm going to read today from the CSB. I normally preach from the ESV, uh, but I have uh, been doing some Bible study in the CSB in this chapter. I have some markings in my Bible, and so I'm going to be reading from it today. Uh, psalm 32 is a psalm about forgiveness. Now, last week we talked about forgiving others that have done us wrong and how we're called to do that. And so I want to stay with that theme today and focus more on the fruit of forgiveness. You remember when uh, the, the man in the story last week in Matthew 18, when he was forgiven of much, he went out and choked the dude uh, that just owned, uh, owed him just a little bit. When there's true forgiveness, when we are granted forgiveness by God, there is some fruit that comes from that. And we see that in David's life in Psalm 32. Let me read it for you. The psalmist write, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle for my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately, 
When great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. Verse number 8, God speaks, I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give counsel. Do not be like a horse or mule without understanding that must be controlled with bit and bridle, or else it will not come near you. Many pains come to the wicked, but the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord, the fruit of forgiveness. It's harvest time. It's the time where farmers have sown the seed and now they're reaping their work. Actually, you and I are getting to reap their work. We have had fresh corn at our house this week about three times. Can I get a witness right there? We've had strawberries. Misty has made two strawberry pies in the last week. We've had revival at the Coleman house. There's something about fresh fruit. There's something about the harvest, uh, fresh vegetables that we receive. And when you think about that harvest time, I want you to take that analogy in your heart and mind, and I want you to apply it to the moment when we get thoroughly right with God and we get thoroughly right with one another. Think for just a moment about being close to God and being in a right relationship with Him. There's nothing sweeter, there's nothing greater than knowing that you are close, that you're close to God that you have a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. I want to ask you a very blunt question. Has there ever been a time in your life when you felt closer to the Lord than you do right now? Has there ever been a moment where you just felt His presence in a greater and a stronger way? Can you think about how sweet that was? If you're a Christian today, there's no way you would sit there and rejoice over having a cold heart or rejoice over feeling distant from the Lord. And while we certainly never want to humanize God, what we know is that in our earthly relationships, there are seasons of closeness. Seasons come and go. Unfortunately, it happens even in our marriages. Sometimes in our marital relationships, we feel closer than we do at other times. Maybe children come along. We become devoted to them and they get our attention. And before we realize it, that has our complete focus and the closeness is gone with our mate. We know, the scripture tells us, that if we ascend to the highest mountain or if we go down into the lowest valley, that God is there. God is omnipresent. There is nowhere that you can go on this earth and escape being in the presence of God. We also know that the Scripture says He will never leave us or forsake us. And we stand on those truths and we believe those things, but, but the honest response that we get is that sometimes we are closer to Him than at others. 
There's nothing like being close to Jesus. There's nothing like being close to our God. Someone said, if forgiveness is good, fellowship is better. If forgiveness is good, fellowship is even better. What is the great point of forgiveness? The fruit of forgiveness is that we have fellowship with our God. What hinders our fellowship with our God more than anything? I'll tell you what it is. It's when we let sin come into our lives. John Owen, the Puritan preacher, our director of mission, uh, Brian Nall, sent us a text out this morning. To, he always does on Sunday morning to pastors. And he quoted John Owen and he said, We need to be killing sin or sin is going to be killing us. We need to deal with the sin in our heart. And one of the beautiful things about the psalmist that wrote this psalm for us today is that David is known as a really good repenter. There's about six psalms that he wrote that are known as the penitential psalms that have to do with the confession of sin. He wrote Psalm 6, Psalm 38. Some of you know Psalm 51 where he cries out to the Lord, uh, in a spirit of repentance, and ask the Lord to restore to him the joy of his great salvation. Psalm 102, Psalm 130, Psalm 143, and then, of course, the psalm that I read for you just a minute ago, Psalm 32, they are psalms of repentance. And, and I want to remind you that repentance is actually the first word of the gospel. Jesus spoke it in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, say it with me, what's the first word there? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now that word repent is an interesting word. We don't have time to do a word study this morning, but I just want you to know that in the Hebrew and in the Greek language, the word repent means to change your mind. It means that you have a change of mind. You change the way you think about what you're thinking, about what you're saying, or about what you're doing. You reach a point where you say, this is not appropriate, or this violates the scripture, this goes against the command of God, and so you change your mind and you think about that action or behavior in a different way. So think about the importance of the first word that Jesus utters in his earthly ministry, Matthew chapter 4, is that we all need to repent. Several years ago, Pastor Joe and I were in Jacksonville, and we were at a pastor's conference, and they introduced a gentleman I'd never heard of, never met, and his name was Richard Owen Roberts. And he was coming to preach, and I realized that uh, Brother Roberts was up in years, uh, probably late 80s, maybe close to 90 and uh, he walked up to the pulpit. Uh, he is a Nazarene pastor that lives in the city of Chicago. And what I have learned about him is that he has given his life and his ministry to this matter of repentance. And about an hour and a half later, yeah, his sermon was that long, when he finished up, we literally felt like we had been in the presence of Moses. That's how we felt. Because he spoke with a very distinct voice. And he spoke about the importance of us humbling ourselves. And truly dealing with and repenting of our sins. How many of you know 
that it's very easy for us to develop a spirit and an attitude of God get them and not deal with the sin in our own hearts. Richard Owen Roberts said in his book on repentance, the first word of the gospel is not love, it's not even grace. The first word is repent. From Matthew through Revelation, repentance is an urgent and indispensable theme that is kept at the very forefront of the gospel message. Misty and I were in a home of one of our members last night having dinner, and they were sharing with me about watching a video, a debate between two Christians that supposedly really loved Jesus. And one of those Christians, Christians said they did not believe in hell. And then they followed that up by saying they did not believe in the need of repentance. You don't believe the Bible if you don't believe in hell and you don't believe in repentance. It's a word that we must keep in front of us. How about this? We need not an occasional, but we need a steady diet of repentance. We could make a list today of all the things that are wrong in our nation. We can miss, make a list today of all the things that maybe are wrong with the church, the big C, the body of Christ. We could talk about all the things that need to be addressed or fixed in our families. But I believe today more than anything, we need to look at ourselves. Let's look at ourselves. We're in a culture today where people are shaking their fist at God. I was out at the Gas pump this morning at Circle K, doing what all good Christians do, get their coffee at the Sip and Save program. And I struck up a conversation with a gentleman there in a truck beside me, and, and um, he just made a beeline. To make, I told him I was a pastor, and I told him I really needed to wake up because i got to preach a sermon today. And uh, he said, you know what? He said, the world's crazy, isn't it? I said, yes, sir, it is. The world is crazy. I said, you know what, I'm going to say this in my sermon today. It seems like people are shaking their fist at God. That people are wagging their tongues at our Creator who created us. And He calls His creation not to question Him and defame Him and curse Him. But rather, He calls His creation to repentance. Where does repentance begin? 1 Peter chapter 4 Verse 17, this is actually a short sermon, so hang on, all right? The time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. I did a word study on that word judgment. You know what it means? Condemnation. It's time for condemnation to begin with us. If it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? So for those today who, who disobey the gospel of God, those that are shaking their fist at God and are angry at God and don't want anything to do with God, unfortunately there is coming a day when the scripture says the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the world to all that reject him. But today as believers, as we gather in the house of God, we are not in this group. We are in a group, if you're a Christian, that has been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been forgiven. We know the joy of forgiveness. And so we come to Him and we look in our hearts and we say, we want to pray. We're going to pray in just a minute, all right? We want to pray. We want to seek the Lord. We want a fresh touch and a fresh cleansing from Him. 
What is the fruit of that forgiveness? The text showed us a couple of things. Number one, verses one and two, it says that, that we have joy in our heart. Joy in our heart. I, I did a word study on that word joy there, and, and it actually, in the Hebrew, it can actually mean fortunate. That we are fortunate. Anybody in the house of God today that would say, praise God, I'm fortunate that the gospel made it to me. Yeah, your hands are coming up. We're fortunate. Because there are people all around the world that are less fortunate. That ought to put a smile on your face today. The gospel made it to you. We are fortunate that we have been forgiven. But of course the word also means to make happy and to fill with joy. David said, how joyful is the one who knows that their transgressions have been forgiven, whose sins have been covered. That word transgression there means that you have committed a crime. You have done wrong. He said, Tim, I didn't come to church on July 4th weekend for you to tell me I'm a criminal. You are a criminal. You have committed a crime against a holy and righteous God. It's called sin. It's called iniquity. We have sinned against God. And we looked at it last week. The size of our crime is really big because all of our sins nailed Jesus to the cross. And when you can really grasp that in your heart and your mind, what is your response to that? David said, how joyful, how joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and whose spirit is no deceit. So can I ask you today, Christian, is the flag of joy flying over your heart because you've been forgiven? Someone said joy is the flag flying over the castle of my heart stating that the king is in residence today. The fruit of forgiveness is that we have joy. But how about this one? Secondly, did you notice that, that David said that when he was living in this unrepentant sin, that it was affecting him physically? There is actually pain in harboring our sin. How many of you know what it's like to have a guilty conscience? Just go ahead and raise both of your hands. We all know, we all know what it's like to have a guilty conscience because we have sin in our life. We know we've done wrong and we've not properly dealt with it. David talked about that in Psalm 51 as well. He said, God, as he's repenting, he says, God, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. In Psalm 32, we see David struggle this struggle about sin in his life, and he's saying, you know what? It affects me emotionally. It affects me spiritually. Just hear me today. Not everyone. Not everyone. But some of us maybe have a dark cloud hovering over our life and our mind because we've not dealt with sin in our hearts. It affects us emotionally and physically. How about David? You know, there are a variety of ways that we kind of come head on with our sin, right? Uh, hopefully, we learn as we mature in Christ to keep short accounts with God. That every day we're praying and we're seeking the Lord and, and we're confessing our sins. And the, the work of the Holy Spirit, right? How many have been riding down the road before and the Holy Spirit just rung your bell about something you said or did? This Holy Spirit conviction, right? 
and, and, and you're reminded of what you've done, you're reminded of what the Scripture says, and that's just not right, I shouldn't be doing that. How about this? How about faithful are the wounds of a friend? Hey, you ought to be thankful, not mad today. You ought to be thankful that you have somebody in your life that loves you enough to say, hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. It was King David who committed adultery, right? And then he committed murder of Uzziah, Bathsheba's husband. And he's sitting there on his throne one day doing his kingly duties and a prophet of God walked in by the name of Nathan. And he tells him this heart-wrenching story about a man who took this family's precious little lamb. And David became angry and he wanted this man to be dealt with. And then in that moment, Nathan said, You are that man. David, you're that man. We ought to thank God for people in our life who will love us enough to point their finger at us and say you're going the wrong direction you need to change your ways because it affects us in so many ways it affects us physically david said i've been harboring this i felt this in my bones and you know what it it, it happens to all of us hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 12 the writer of hebrews challenges us to do what look on the screen Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the what? The deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. I want you to notice, look in your Bible, at the end of verse number 4, at the end of verse number 5, and at the end of verse number 7, I didn't say the words that are added there. Do you see them? What is that word? Selah. Selah. So when you're reading your Bible, the intention there is that you would come to the end of verse number 4 and you would be pondering this thought of being exhausted emotionally and physically like you are when you've just finished cutting the grass in the middle of July. You're tired. You're worn out. And David is saying pause. The word selah means pause and think about these things. And then he goes on and gives verse 5 uh, and he gets down to the end of verse number 6, and he says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And then he says, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Stop and think about that for just a moment. And then at the end of verse 7, once again, he says, Selah, think about these things. Let me finish up by saying that the psalmist here shows us our urgency for God's help. Notice what he says. What are we called to do right now in this moment in verse number 6? With all the chaos, with all the storms, with all the turmoil that is all around us every day, the psalmist says, therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you. When? Immediately. Immediately. Do you feel that, church? We're going to pray in just a second. Do you feel that? Do you feel the expediency of the moment? Not, hey, we're going to put a day of prayer 
on the calendar in September. No, 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 no. Right now. Right now. Immediately. Those of us who know Christ, we need to pray. In the hour of trouble, we need to pray. We need to pray. So that the fruit of that might be what God says in verse number 8 to the end. Isn't it wonderful when God speaks? God speaks. And what he says in verse 8 to the end of the chapter is that I'm going to guide you, I'm going to instruct you, I'm going to look out for you, I'm going to give you counsel. The challenge in verse number 9 is don't be stubborn like a mule. Me and any of your wives said that to you lately? Don't be stubborn like a mule. Well, here's God saying that to his people. Don't be stubborn. Don't go your own way. Don't do your own thing. If you'll repent and deal with your sin, you won't have to go through the pain that the wicked go through. And you can live your days knowing that you are surrounded by the love of the faithful one. What does that cause you to do? The fruit of forgiveness, verse 11, is that we are glad and we rejoice. We rejoice. When does that happen? It happens after we pray and after we repent. Would you join me now in a season of prayer? Can we do that? That's how we're going to finish up the service today. A time of prayer. And we're going to follow, we're going to follow a method if you will that someone wrote several years ago is a process of prayer it's called the acts method and you'll see it up on the screen a c t s and we're going to begin by adoration and then we're going to go into confession a time of thanksgiving and then we're going to have a special time of supplication here in just a moment but would you take these moments, take a deep breath physically and spiritually and ponder what we've just read in Psalm 32 and think about your own life, your own relationship with the Lord. And let's spend a few minutes praying together. And now we begin with adoration and praise. As we all come together, as if we're all joining hands, corporately we come now to the throne of God with praise on our lips to lift Him up, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, who is high and holy. God, we refuse today to make this about us, about ourselves. This is not about us. This is about you. We are your people. You are our creator. We are responsible and we are accountable to you. You are holy. You are righteous. You are just. You're merciful. You are omnipresent. You're everywhere. You're omnipotent. You are all-powerful. You're omniscient. You're all-knowing. You're omnibenevolent. You're full of compassion.
God, we acknowledge your greatness. You are the sovereign God of the universe. We would be most miserable and frustrated and overwhelmed today if by your grace we had not settled in our hearts long ago that you are God and you are in control. But God, we confess we need your help to trust you more in all things. We give you adoration and praise. Jesus, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You have no competition. You have no rivals. You stand alone as the faithful one, the great one, the awesome Savior of the world. And we give you praise and glory and honor today. We humble ourselves, God humble ourselves we are frail we are weak we are sinful you are powerful and now we apply what we have read and studied in Psalm 32 to confess means to say the same thing confession would be God I am repenting I'm changing my mind and I'm going to say the same thing that you say about my thoughts my attitudes and my actions so would you spend a moment now in confession we'll never have revival we'll never have renewal we'll never have a spiritual awakening until we first judge ourselves, as 1 Peter 4 says, in moments of confession. God, we bow before you now. In this moment not thinking about the sins of others but pondering our own sin we've been prideful we've been arrogant we've been angry we have been indifferent to lost souls we have neglected the prayer closet. At times we have neglected your word. We have lied. We have lusted. We confess those things to you now as a body. And we ask that you would cleanse us afresh and anew. God, we don't want to come before you today with excuses, playing the blame game. 
comparing ourselves among ourselves, we just come in humility before you and say, God, cleanse us afresh and anew. We need it. May we know joy. May we know the peace of that guilt lifting off of us now as we have repented. God, please help us. We never want to trample on your grace or take it for granted or act like we deserve it because we're special now that we're children of God. No, we know we are loved and we are held tightly by you. But you call your children to confess our sin and we do that now. There are many things today that we have to be thankful for. Amen? So many things. We're thankful today for God's provision and providing for our church. I want to say how grateful I am, how thankful I am that the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. And I want to say how thankful I am for every precious boy and girl who my Bible says, my Creator and my God forms us in the inward parts with a purpose and a plan. I'm thankful for every little boy and every little girl that will be saved and rescued. Thank you, God. There's a lot we need to pray about concerning that issue. Today, I think we need to pause and thank Him. And we need to repent. Over the precious lives that have been taken. We need to thank Him for His provision. Most of us drove down here in a decent car. We live in a decent home. We have clothes on our back. We have food to eat. Let's remind ourselves that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So can we thank Him? Join me, church, and let's thank Him. Lord, thank You. Thank You for all Your blessings. Thank You. We're a thankful people. Remind us to express that gratitude often. That in everything, the scripture says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, God, for meeting the need of our church. Thank you, Lord, for every life that will be saved. Lord, thank you for your provision. Thank you for meeting our needs day by day. You're so faithful and you're so good. Thank you. 
Thank you most of all for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from our sins. Thank you. want to do something a little bit different on this last one I wonder how many in the room today you might have a special need in your life it's something that's might be physical whatever it's very urgent and 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 it's 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 serious to you it's it's in front of you it's overwhelming you you walked in here with it on your heart and mind and you'd like to just have special prayer as we as we go into supplications that's when we bring our petitions to the Lord Maybe there's a, a wayward child. Maybe there's a marriage that needs to be healed. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's a health issue that you've got, a financial burden. There's something special in your life, and you're, you're serious about it, and you want special prayer today. I want to ask you to just come stand here at the front, in front of me. Don't be bashful. Don't be timid. Member, guest, doesn't matter. You've got something in your life that you need prayer about today. I want to ask you to come stand down here at the front. Just come with me. And I want to ask some of our leaders, some of our men, some of our ladies to come down and gather around every person that comes. We're going to pray. Jesus said, cast all your care upon me because I care for you. got to care I want you to come don't be bashful come on I'm gonna be honest I walked in the service today distracted in my mind over a burden of my heart right now and I want to take it to the Lord you're seated today and you didn't come forward and maybe it's not that everything in your life is perfect but you don't really have anything pressing on you in the moment if you're able would you just lift your hands toward everyone at the front remember in the bible lifting hands is a sign of desperation it's just simply saying god We need your help. We all have our burdens. For some, it's children that are running from you. For some, it's medical reports. For some, it's financial needs. Some it's relational needs. Lord, we don't have to say out loud what these burdens are today. But we're so glad to know that you know all things. You know every one of us. You know every situation. 
So we claim 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, first of all, first of all, first priority of greatest significance is to bring our supplications to you. And we want to thank you, God, that you care, that you don't turn away from us. You don't give us a deaf ear or cold shoulder. If we come in humility and, and we come in repentance, we can bring these burdens to you. And we know that you care because you are our Father. And you love us. And you love us. So we thank you now that we can bring these to you. With joy and thanksgiving. hearts are heavy and our hearts are broken and when people around us maybe don't understand what's going on in our life maybe you're here and you can't talk about it because it's so personal and private just be reminded that God is with you and he cares ask everyone to stand if you're here you can pray as long as you need to if you want to slip back to your seat hiding in the room today you sometimes you're sitting around maybe on the back porch or out in the garage and you wonder about the future you wonder what's going to happen when your kids grow up, you wonder what's going to happen to our country. You wonder about your job. You wonder about your future. Am I the only one in the room? How many of you know today that God's got it in His hand? Let's commit it to Him now. Can we do that? I'll ask our praise team to come on up and they'll get ready to lead us in a moment. God, we, we all have uncertainties and we all have questions as a songwriter wrote many years ago many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand but I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand and so God for the future of this church, for the future of our families, for the future of our nation. I pray that no matter what happens and what direction it goes, would you please keep us close to the cross. Keep us close to the Word. Keep us committed to what really matters. Help us to stay in the Word and stay on our knees in these days and all God's people said Amen. Amen.